Teaching math is hard, and it's even harder when you hate math. When you're an upper elementary teacher, you're expected to be an expert in all the subjects, so it can even be tough to reach out to other teachers when you need help. And if you don't feel supported by your admin, then it's easy to feel completely lost and hopeless when it comes to teaching math. No wonder you hate it. But don't worry, you're not alone. You're now part of the best unofficial math PLC for upper elementary teachers learning to love math. Hey teacher, and welcome to the Learning to Love Math podcast. I'm Brittany, a teacher, tutor, math learning coach, and the TPT seller behind Math with Minis. In just two years, I went from being basically math illiterate to having students make two years of gains with math in my classroom. Today, on this pilot episode of the Learning to Love Math podcast, I'm going to share a bit of my story and about why I'm so passionate about this mission and why I'm looking specifically to serve educators who hate math, because basically that's where I was. So I do a lot with math right now. I teach math. I help students and teachers teach math, and I love creating resources to help students develop their math math fluency, and even YouTube videos to help students and teachers learn and teach concepts better. But it wasn't always that way. And this is honestly even pretty embarrassing to say as a teacher, but just two years ago, I was very close to being math illiterate. Now, I'm not going to say completely. You know, I had a phone and a calculator. Isn't that funny, by the way, if you're a fellow millennial, we grew up learning, hey, you're not going to be able to walk around with a calculator in your pocket. Well, turns out you can. And so because of this, I was able to actually rely on a calculator a lot. I considered myself a calculator dependent teacher. Now, this wasn't for a lack of trying, right? The first year of teaching can be hard for anyone, but when you're placed in fifth grade classroom and you haven't done long division for, you know, 20 plus years, and even when you were doing it, you didn't quite get it, it can bring up a lot of stress. And um, one thing you'll hear me talk about a lot is that math anxiety, math stress, and math trauma are all very real things. That's kind of like the central point for why I do what I do and why I'm so excited about it now because, you know, you can't change the trauma that's already been inflicted upon you that you've already dealt when it comes to learning math, maybe some negative experiences you've had in the classroom yourself as a student. But what we can do is reframe and refocus our experiences now and in the future so we can set ourselves up with a growth mindset for math. And then once we have that, it becomes a whole lot easier to be able to impart that onto our students because it's hard to foster something that you don't have yourself, right? And it's hard to, to really you know, explain or exemplify that when you can't embody that yourself. So let me just share a bit about my story just to show you if this is where you're at. If you absolutely hate math and you feel like you're at a point where you really need help, you're seeking it, but you feel like you can't reach out to colleagues or your admin because you feel like you should be an expert already, I totally get where you're at. So I'm just gonna share this about you, share this with you. So I am almost 33 now. About two years ago, when I was 30, one day I was crying in my classroom, straight up crying, because I knew I had to teach 24 fifth graders how to do long division with the standard algorithm. 
And the problem was I had absolutely no clue how to do it myself. And you know, I'm not like an uneducated person, right? I have a teaching certificate. I graduated with a bachelor's actually in parks and recreation management of all things, but I actually have a background in business. And so you would think if anything, I would have a lot of experience with numbers. But the crazy thing is I had a sparkling personality and I was a people person and I had a great way with words. I was a pretty adept speaker and writer. And so, you know, even from a very young age, my teachers noticed that about me and they focused on that. And I think that's something that we as teachers do a lot. I think I even do this and I'm always trying to watch out to not that we almost impart prophecies on our students, right? We want to notice their gifts. We want to encourage their skills and interests and strengths, of course, but we don't want to limit them or put them into boxes. And so I was categorized as a word and people person, right? My teachers were like, oh, she'll be fine. She's really good at learning languages. She has a really robust vocabulary. She's great with people. You know what? Not a big deal that she doesn't know how to do basic math, um, which is kind of crazy, right? And this this is not a problem that I had only as an elementary student. The same kind of narrative was pushed throughout my middle school years and my high school years and even throughout college, right? You know, even in parks and recreation management, we had to study business math and statistics and um, and really just had to have an understanding of like how stats work so we could even measure what was working and what wasn't and data analysis. And I still don't feel like I was equipped to do that. And I think part of the reason why, um, besides my own personal math trauma, anxiety, and stress was because it was imparted upon me also by my instructors and my teachers. And that's not necessarily a fault of their own, right? We can only teach from where we're at and what we know. So I really decided that this wasn't acceptable to me. It, It just wasn't okay with me to be teaching fifth graders, you know, ideally, hopefully they only have fifth grade once and to not really feel competent and confident about the content, right? Like I wanted to feel like I really knew it and mastered it and understood it so that I could rightfully pass it on to my students. Um, and also I'm a pretty stubborn person. So I knew, okay, If I can learn languages, if I can learn music, I'm also a classically trained musician, by the way. I learned opera and um, and I was just a classically trained singer from a young age. And, And that was kind of the funny thing is I've been able to learn all of these things. I've been able to do all of these things well. And did I have a natural affinity for some of them? Yes, of course. I love singing. I love speaking. You've probably noticed that already just from how many words I've fit into this podcast episode so far. But the thing is, I didn't really realize that it wasn't so much that I wasn't a math person because I think it's so easy to think of ourselves as words people or numbers people or people people. Yes, there might be certain things that we're drawn to naturally, things that we enjoy more, and therefore we are more willing to put in the work and the effort and the time required to get better. But I just thought, you know, after that second year of teaching, okay, What if I took the same exact strategies, methods, skills, tactics that I used to learn Italian fluently, to learn Irish as a language, to become a classically trained singer? What if I did the exact same things I did there to learn math? Could I master it? And at first the question was like, no, Brittany, you're crazy. Why would you do this? Why don't you just go with what you know? I mean, we look at this even with strengths-based teaching all the time, like we teach the students' strengths, but 
for, for me, that just didn't quite sit right with me because math is literally everywhere. I mean, if we want our students to be financially literate, if we want them to be able to understand contracts and salaries, then they need to be able to do basic math, right? They need to be able to manage a household and even just know what to do with their with their money or to be able to make informed decisions. And so it wasn't enough for me. It wasn't it wasn't something I could accept about just sucking at math forever. And also it was just a point of stress for me because it was so hard for me. It was really hard to enjoy teaching it. And that just shone through in the energy I had, you know, I dreaded it. Um, I did spend time on it. I really wanted to do a good job with it. I would sit after school every day, um, for another one to two hours after school, learning the math lessons for the following days or weeks, because I really wanted to ensure I understood it. But even the instructional videos I was watching just weren't um, really up to par in the way they were teaching it. And ironically, it was like, um, do this. And then the actual math that we were teaching in the student, well, the students was very inquiry based and kind of based on the scientific method. And so it just didn't really make sense for me. There was definitely a big disconnect, right? So by this time, I felt like an absolute total fraud. I was having imposter syndrome big time. And you know, that's something that we kind of expect as first year teachers, at least looking back on it, we understand that, okay, we haven't been teachers yet for long. We know that there's so much more that we don't know yet. We know we need to learn, but this wasn't my first year, right? This was my second year teaching. So, okay. I was finally like understanding. I knew what to expect from the school year. I had a basic grasp on classroom management and student behavior, but I was still not where I wanted to be with the content. And it wasn't really helpful just going to, you know, PDs for the school because they would just teach, you know, this is how you do math centers. And we would go to a math center PD and they would just tell you, okay, this is how many minutes to do it. This is how you find transition music. This is how you, you know, um, set it up. And I was like, well, that's helpful, but how do I actually teach math? <laughs> you know, um, until this day, I still have not really received a lot of professional development on actually teaching math on like what is the flow of the of the lesson or the experience for the student and it kind of dawned on me what if people just don't know um recently i was actually looking at master's degrees for upper elementary teachers uh, upper elementary math excuse me and the only ones i could find were for math for like calculus for algebra 2 and i just thought that was such an unfortunate disparity. There are so many resources for secondary math teachers, for middle school math teachers, but if someone wants to improve their craft, if they really want to hone in and be an excellent upper elementary teacher, if they want to help their students develop math fact fluency and number sense and, you know, automaticity, or auto, excuse me, if they want to be able to be immediate, I see there are certain words I struggle with too. It's all good. If they want to be able to develop those skills and those traits in students, and not even just skills, mathematical practices, I think that's something we don't talk about enough um, as far as like standards in the common core world, like the actual mathematical practices. If you've never taken a look at them, go look at them because those are actual skills that they can use that transfer to everything. I mean, they even, they even talk about accountable talk in there. How do you agree or disagree respectfully when it comes to math? That's actually great for that, by the way, I should probably do a whole episode on accountable talk with math because it allows you to develop those arguing and, um, defense skills, 
with um, physical proof because you can show evidence with math problems without having hurt feelings because you don't have to be tied personally to the outcome. Absolutely amazing. But anyway, I wasn't finding a lot of resources for learning in that, right? Um, I might find some worksheets on Teachers Pay Teachers for math centers. I mean, you can find math worksheets on so many websites. And of course, I offer those kinds of resources in my store too. But I just wasn't finding what I really needed. And I wasn't really finding a community about that, a community for people who, not just people who love math, because I feel like there's actually a lot out there, but what about the teachers who hate math? Because you don't want to admit if you're a teacher that you can't do math and that you don't like it. You definitely don't want to tell your students that you hate math, right? Or maybe you do. Maybe that would help them relate to you. If you could say, uh, no, I actually secretly hate math and um, I'm just here because I need it. So I saw a definite need and I can't even say that I'm an expert, right? I wouldn't even try to say that I am. I can say with certainty that I'm a math interventionist because I help students who are way below grade level to be able to achieve on grade level um, mastery of skills in a very short amount of time. And I can do this because I diagnose what, what step they missed because it's almost always the same thing. I mean, yes, there are also math learning disabilities and I don't want to discount that, but usually it's that they haven't mastered those basic foundational skills. I can't tell you how many times I've had students come into my fifth grade classroom who are still unable to add and subtract within 20. And it's, I'm not going to say it's their fault and, and I'm not going to say it's necessarily one teacher's fault. It's very frustrating, but you can see how the system is definitely broken when we have students coming into our upper elementary classrooms and they have not mastered those basic skills. It's almost like it's almost like with reading, right? I mean, we can't expect students to be able to understand and explain the main idea or the theme of a grade level text when they can't even decode, right? Or if they have no phonemic awareness, it is the same thing for math. Students need to be able to memorize their math facts. They need to be able to recall them immediately. And they need that consistent review with intentional direct instruction to be able to achieve those things. But I didn't know any of this then, right? I was just struggling with how can I even do this stuff on my own? So in the summer of 2019, I decided, okay, this is not acceptable. I need to figure this out. Um, I just, I, I spent so much time devouring resources. I watched all of the math antics videos on YouTube. His channel is excellent, by the way, go check it out. I watched a ton of videos on Khan Academy and I was actually like writing it down on paper, you know, playing and then pausing, playing and then pausing. Um, I watched all of the videos for my curriculum. I remember my mentor teacher thinking I was insane because she was like, why in the world would you want to do this during your summer break? But part of it was honestly that just that I made the decision, right? I knew it wasn't going to be forever. I don't spend, you know, every summer or every waking minute on school. I'm actually much more efficient with my time now, but I knew that I had to invest a little bit of time and effort then so that I could feel better in the classroom because I knew that if I knew the content, that would come across in my energy, the way I interacted with students, the way I talked about math and the way I actually taught math. And it worked. It worked. Now, it wasn't the most fun way to learn because a lot of it was just me um, learning and then practicing it, but it worked and I was able to make it fun for myself. So, um, for example, I went on several different trips. I love to travel. It's a big deal to me. I actually have another business completely based around teacher travel because I love it so much and I love sharing it with teachers. 
but I spent a lot of time traveling that summer. We went to Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons. Oh, you've got to go to the Grand Tetons if you haven't. It's just absolutely beautiful. We went to all these amazing places on a road trip, and it was actually kind of perfect because we'd stop at a place, um, we would be at a campsite or at our hotel, and I would just have extra time. And, you know, I didn't, I don't want to say I was spending all summer. I guess that's not completely accurate. I spent a lot of time that summer having fun too. But I would block out maybe an hour a day and I would just sit there and watch these videos and I would be reading math blogs and I was following all these math gurus, um, these amazing people who have dedicated their lives and their entire educational career to mastering math and mastering math teaching. And I was able to learn. I was able to make games for myself. So for example, when we'd go out to dinner, I would estimate in my head, okay, I think it's gonna cost this much. I think that each person is going to pay about this much, right? And basic multiplication and division. But I was looking for opportunities to make it real for myself. Like to show myself, one, there's actually a really good reason to learn this, right? Um, and it's not like I couldn't do math before, but I just wasn't really. I was so dependent on a calculator. And so I was like, you know what? It's there's actually a really good reason to have this because like, what if my phone dies? What if I forget my phone? Like also I'm an adult and I just want to be able to do this stuff. Right. And so I kind of made a game out of it with um, my family, my sisters who are traveling with me. One of them is still in high school. Um, we kind of made a race and a bet to like who would be able to get it closest. Um, you know, that person would get to choose who paid for their part, you know, things like that little fun things. And I decided, you know what, this works making little games for yourself and making it fun. If, if that's what it takes in real life to connect students, to make it relevant to them, to help them understand why they need to learn the material and to be able to create games and connect them to authentic real world learning opportunities. If I can do that in the classroom, I think I can do this. I think I can make math learning accessible and easy and dare I say fun for my students. And that year I came back, that school year, I actually caught a break. <laughs> to my delight, I found out I was gonna go, um, actually the summer, or the, the spring before that, I actually found out I was going into fourth grade. So I was already excited about that because I was like, oh yes, that'll be a little less hard. Um, and it'll just be like, that age is just so fun. I love fourth graders. So you just couldn't believe how excited I was, how delighted I was to go into school that year and just say, yes, fourth graders, I love that age, I'm so excited. And um, and I came in and even though I had spent all of this time on learning and basically instructing myself, I realized I still had anxiety. I still had anxiety, right? I was actually, I had done all this math preparation and instruction for myself, then to learn that I would actually be teaching ELA and writing in social studies, which is kind of funny because I was like, did I just waste my time? But I actually found I liked math more because math is universal. I taught for four years on the White Mountain Apache, or excuse me, the Fort Apache Reservation, which serves the White Mountain Apache tribe. And even though they're all English language learners, they understand math. And it makes sense because yes, there are word problems and you know there are some times where you have to understand what is being asked of you in order to solve a problem. You have to be able to read and follow procedures, absolutely. But there's just this wonderful universal thing where you can connect with someone anywhere in the world and be able to solve a problem together. And I just thought that was beautiful. And so I just intentionally made the decision daily to start changing my mindset around math. And 
I almost want to say affirmations. I would decide at the beginning of the day going in, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how I'm going to make it fun for myself as the teacher. And therefore it's going to be more fun for the students because that energy is going to come through in how I teach, how I facilitate. And because I enjoy it and look forward to it, I'm going to put that extra little bit of energy and effort into my math centers preparation, which I am now obsessed with math centers. It's so much more than just throwing worksheets in there. Um, and it's really not hard to make them intentional, um, amazing learning opportunities. So yeah, so I discovered it was not just about, about mastering the content. It was a whole mindset shift. So if that's where you're at right now, I want to encourage you and also acknowledge where you're at and say, yes, math anxiety is totally a real thing. You may have had um, a single negative experience when you were first learning some of these basic math skills as a child, or you may have even had them as an adult, or maybe you've had a traumatic experience teaching math or just a collective of negative experiences doing so. And so maybe you feel discouraged or like you can't do it. And if that's where you're at, I just want to encourage you that you can. I don't want to say that it's super easy because everybody's mind is so different. It's strange that our minds are, are like simultaneously fragile and powerful, right? But I will say that by um, taking those thoughts you have captive and really thinking about how you want to approach each day and each lesson in a way that's fun for you and the kids, it's going to do so much for you. And it's going to be able to strengthen the relationship you have with your students because you're approaching math with fun and curiosity and mystery and mystique and possibility and showing them it's accessible and possible for them instead of showing them as, as it's something that's just hard that you have to do. Now I will say that practice helps too, right? Like I said, I decided to approach learning math and then learning how to teach math better the same way that I approached mastering singing, okay? And if you've never had to do um, any singing or any instrument work, then you may not know this, but it doesn't just require um, learning. Like I had to learn math theory. I had to learn how to read music. I learned math, uh, music history and I learned about music, musical styles and all of that. I learned how to side read, but you also literally teach your body what to do. Now, I don't like calling it muscle memory because that's technically a misnomer, but when you're singing, you learn to pay attention to how your um, throat feels. You shouldn't be having a lot of tension. You pay attention to your diaphragm and how much air you're squeezing out at one time and that you're able to kind of track where it's going. You should feel kind of this buzzy feeling in your nose. You know, all these weird things that you learn as someone who's learning how to sing. And with math, it's kind of the same way. You learn all of these different tips and tricks along the way to make it easier and more fun for you, um, to make it so that you can actually feel it and know when it feels right and ways to make it feel fun when you're teaching it. And it takes constant practice, right? I already had a natural talent for singing, but once I started having like learning a strategy for continued practice and learning exactly what to do, right? Cause you don't want to be spending your time practicing the wrong things or learning the wrong things when it comes to teaching math, because then not only are you stressing yourself out and wasting your time and possibly wasting your money, but then you're not even really doing what's effective for your students in the classroom. Right? So it's all about learning the right strategies, practicing the right things, and then not wasting your time on the other things, right? So you have to think about strengthening your math muscles too. So giving yourself chances to practice doing puzzles, right? Looking for opportunities to make little math games for yourself out in the real world. 
of course, probably most importantly, we have to change how we think of math, right? There are all kinds of triggers that come up for us. We've talked about that. But if you can look at it as something that's accessible and possible and doable and something even fun, it will totally change how you do it. And of course, one big thing about mindset and like I kind of mentioned, it's almost like affirmations is actually becoming a mathematician. So one thing I like to tell my students when they say something like, I'd love to be an artist someday, or I'd love to be a basketball player is you can be those things now right? I mean, anyone who does art can be an artist. You may not get paid for it yet, but you can definitely do it right now. Anyone who wants to be a basketball player can just play basketball, right? And so what if we started to look at math the same way? What if we could actually embody the skills and practices that a mathematician does so that we can actually become mathematicians? And if we as teachers can do that, And if we can learn to develop and foster that in our students and help them become mathematicians, think like them, act like them, speak like them, then we're helping them become that, right? We're helping them embody that and do the things they need to do. So yes, once I decided to think of it like that, once I actually started embodying those math practices, developing and fostering a math growth mindset, retraining my brain the way I thought about math and approached it, it just became so clear to me that this was something I had to specialize in. And so I focused specifically on upper elementary math, third, fourth, fifth grade. I just think it's such an amazing age developmentally. I think math-wise what you're learning is great because this is when you finally start getting into those abstract skills that you're building on top of the concrete. Now, I focus a lot on concrete basic foundational skills because if you don't have those, then learning everything else is going to get a lot more stressful, whether you're a teacher or a student. But it's an amazing time and math can be such a magical and fun thing. And my hope is if you stick with me, you'll start to see that math can be accessible and fun. My hope is that you will feel equipped, empowered, excited to do math and to teach math and that you will see and feel like you can do it because you totally can. You absolutely can do math. You can absolutely learn math and you can absolutely teach math. Stick with me. I am always delivering pep talks, tips, and tricks when it comes to teaching upper elementary math every Monday, so look out for a new episode. If you're interested in learning more about teaching upper elementary math with some fun and flair, you can check out my blog at mathwithminis.com. You can also join my Facebook group, search for Upper Elementary Teachers, and look for Brittany Verlenich. And be sure to download the lead magnet that I've mentioned in the episode so you can get all kinds of tips and tricks for making math fun in the classroom and hopefully I'll get you learning to love math. Thank you for joining me today.